0: Alright, good morning listeners. You are listening to um, Green Left Weekly Radio um, and you have Jacob and Lali on the show today.
1: Thank you. Good morning listeners. Welcome to Green Left Weekly Radio.
0: And um, we we have a pretty packed program today. Well, we only have two interviews um, this week, um, but we have an interview with, I think Lali knows the first one up.
1: Yep, it's an interview with a Tamil representative of the Tamil Lives Matter group.
0: And, um, and our second interview will be, um, Steve Disson, who we, we have interviewed on the program before. Um, he, he's a ETU organiser that was heavily involved in the CUB 55 dispute. Um, and he's going to be here, um, he's going to be talking to us about the significance of the victory, um, last year and what it kind of means for the um, the union movement. Um, before we move on to, um, news, I'd like to acknowledge that, you know, Green Left um, weekly radio is being broadcast to you from the 3CR studios in Smith Street, Collingwood, which is built on the traditional lands of the Wongri people of the Kulin Nation. Um, sovereignty was never ceded, and as with the many other First Nations across the continent, this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Okay. All right, so I guess I wanted to talk the first kind of news story that sort of... Um, Kind of headline news, and you can sort of see um yesterday many probably have been heard um it's been um, it was reported um we did it covered it last week, but there's been this trend of um, the criminalisation of homelessness in um the city of Melbourne with um, Robert Doyle, um, the Lord Mayor of Melbourne, looking to propose um, new laws to the Melbourne City Council, which would give um, police or give the police powers to remove people. Um, remove homeless people from camping on the streets or there were, a more specific one was um, he's looking to put forward legislation that would um, allow you know give police powers to remove certain items from homeless people who are currently camping on the streets and just uh, on Wednesday or yes just on Wednesday um, there were uh, Police um, had removed, had attempted to, well, they had been successful in removing um, homeless people who were camped on Flinders Street. Um, and as you, if you go down, um, if you go down Flinders Street, there's always been, uh, a group of sort of home, uh, a sort of community kind of built there of homeless people camping there. And they were always, you know, served by, you know, soup kitchens and other charity groups, but that's all being, they've all been removed. Um, in response, there were, on that day, there were protests, um, of, and a demonstration of solidarity from, um, activists and, um, bypassers that, that, attracted quite a, um, a large spontaneous kind of response. Unfortunately, it was not enough to stop, um, the homeless people from being removed by the police. And, um, the response to it from the mainstream media has been to essentially vilify both the protesters and the homeless people where, you know, the Herald Sun headline was, um, Fwinder Street crossed out Feral Streets and it's just, um, absolutely kind of like disgraceful kind of behavior from, um, yeah, and how, and it's kind of part of the continued trend to vilify, um, protesters and, and the, and the, and, um, the, um, and the oppressed.
1: Now, one of the things I want to say, I was having lunch yesterday and I thought I'll read the, um, Harold's son, which I never read. Mm. And, and in, in, in addition to, to, to reading the Herald and I also have been listening to the news. One of the things that leaped, leapt out at me was that they were talking about the police who were injured. Every one of those news items in, on, on TV, all the stations, 7, 9, even ABC, SBS, and the Sun Herald. They talked about how many policemen were actually um, hurt or attacked they never talked about the homeless people who are, you know, socially disadvantaged, how long they've been disadvantaged, what sort of violence they have suffered. And homelessness itself causes mental health illness. You know, it, it's a mental illness. And they never talked about the fact that these people are marginalized people who are suffering mental illness because of homelessness. They don't, they never acknowledge that fact. Mm. You know, it's one of the key contributors to mental health is a sense of not being wanted, a sense of rejection, a sense of, you know, um, no one to care for them, a, rege- a complete rejection by society. They didn't talk about how those people felt. All they could, the way they did was the uh, bottom common denominator, which is, oh, they're all drug addicts and alcoholics. Mm. That's all they could say. Oh, they're violent people, they're horrible people. It's a vilification, it's more, it's, it's just an inhumane way of talking about other human beings mm. who have been you know, grievously disadvantaged, and and more and more and more young, old, women, all sorts of people are getting on the streets, and this is the best our media can do. It's absolutely disgraceful. Mm. Just it, it just makes me so angry to think about. You know, this is what they feed the public, and you do it over and over and over again. People think, oh, they must be you know, horrible people. They must. Be. They don't comb oh. their hair, they don't take shower. You know, they look dirty, they look a bit uh, funny, they look strange, they're not normal looking people. Mm-hmm. And they, they come to the conclusion, you know, almost unconsciously, oh, these people are just uh, derelicts and, and they are sort of, you know, not nice people. That's why where they are. But the reality is, Homelessness itself causes mental mental illness. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, I can't. I was so so angry yesterday when I was looking at the headlines. How could they do that to people? Mm -hmm. And this is all. This is this story is repeated throughout the media, whether it's national or international. And I was reading in particular. Andrew Bolt's column, which I never read the first time I read it, he repeated that mantra. These people are the people who are horrible, they they are violent, you know, the drug addicts, the same sort of repeated um, denigration of, of human beings who have been grossly disadvantaged by the system that doesn't have jobs for them, doesn't have a decent place to stay, it's so expensive to buy anything, and even the social housing, the rent is incredibly high. How do people afford to live in rented accommodation when a one-bedroom f- uh, flat you pay the the rent higher than your Centrelink payment? How the hell do you manage? You can't, and that is why they end up on the street anyway. That's yeah. my rant. Well, I morning. think um, just <laughs> I'm so making mad. a
0: sort of few <laughs> comments, it sort of goes hand in hand with the Malcolm X quote um, that you know if you are not careful, the newspaper will have you um, um, hating the people who are oppressed and that's loving right. the people who are doing the pressing and that is, there's nothing but I mean, a clear example of that than the Hell's Sun coverage oh, of um, the, Kumola, um, the the protest um, on Wednesday. Sorry. Um, but just one, one other quick few points I would actually make about that. There's actually, the, yeah, there's this sort of myth that, you know, people are homeless because of their own responsibility and the Hell's Sun constantly feeds um, tries to push that myth, um, essentially, it uses, it vilifies, you know, beggars by saying they're professional beggars on hire, yeah. um, and, and, you know, if they're homeless, well, they probably made, they probably did something to deserve them, but, you know, no one, you know, in, especially in a society as rich as Australia deserve, should be homeless. And, um, there's actually been also, in terms of the media code, there's also been another few other problematic things where, um, the police and the establishment have been arguing that, you know, these people who were moved, um, who were removed were, were off, um, were given, you know, temporary accommodate uh, housing or something. They yeah, for
1: three bloody days, then right. what?
0: Yeah, exactly. Then what? You know? They weren't given, they weren't given public housing with guaranteed Nothing. security. Um, of course, it, it would actually, you know, undermine a lot of the, house, the, policy, the housing policies of all the major parties if they were, if they were to do that. It's just too,
1: they don't have public housing. That's a problem. They yeah. can't have affordable public housing. Therefore, they send in the police. Why do you need the police to attend to homeless people? Hmm. Why didn't they send social workers, a group of you know, housing workers who could go and say, Look, look here, guys. You know, these are the houses available and available for the next year or two while we sort out a permanent, they always have a thing called transitional housing Mm -hmm. where you can, you can give them temporary housing and then you work out a permanent housing situation for these people. Instead of sending in people who can solve the problem, they send in an aggressive group of people who just want to beat up or arrest you know, or intimidate people. why send it the police? It's totally illogical. They haven't committed a crime. Homelessness is not a crime for mm. God's sake, you know? And I ah, I was so mm. appalled I had turn the TV off. Couldn't I handle
0: that. Mm. Well in terms of the criminalization of homelessness has actually been a continued trend of this and um it's been reported into in sort of um by sort of sociologists that, you know, in the context of Melbourne, in, there's even cities in Brisbane where, you know, there's this whole sort of, there's this whole struggle around for, of homeless people trying to claim, you know, public space that they've hmm. been kicked off, you know, public space because, you know, the reason why a lot of homeless people would, you know, be sleeping in the streets is because it gives them much more visibility yeah. and it's much safer than, yes. you know, sleeping, you know, under the, where, wherever, parks
1: or whatever, they get attacked by dogs and and, and you know, p- p- people who sell drugs, you know, the the drug pushers are all over the place. You know, oh, well, you're feeling shit. Have a, have a dose of this. You know, that that's that's one you know, scenario. But the key thing is that the this is the one of the best cities in the world. Hmm. Australia is about the third richest country in the world. Why do we even have homeless people? Yeah. That's, that's a, a question we need to pose.
0: And it's and the and the rate of homelessness continues to increase and yes. the governments do nothing about it except their main solution is to basically just give more money to the police force which is doing nothing to
1: well, they, to they, they make them into criminals. Wishes. You know, they've done something incredibly uh, against the law. There is no law against uh, homelessness. And now what they're facing is more job losses. I mean, look at the Toyota factories closing by October. How many more of them are going to become homeless? Hmm. You know, these are people who are being thrown on the heap with no future planning by the government at this stage, federal or state. And they go on and on and on. Anyway, it's, it just r- revs me up. It, it's so, Undemocratic, so cruel, so inhuman. Anyway.
0: Okay, so um, I'll get Lali to introduce. So we are.
1: All right. Okay, George, um, you're on air at the moment. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, now on uh, Monday there was a um, rally calling for the, the issue of Tamil lives matter. Can you yes. tell us what is happening to the Tamils in India? Or oh, in Chennai, rather.
2: In um, in my opinion, uh, the uh, people of Tamil Nadu is continuously humiliated by the central government.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's like uh, uh, they have perfectly planned and uh, they are targeting on those particular areas of people and at last. Nowadays, they... Uh, uh, impact on uh, had a huge they impacted on the cultural sports which is called Jallikattu uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it resulted as a massive protest because um, al- because already uh, few people suffer in th- few parts of Tamil Nadu the people are c- continuously getting affected by the central government so yeah. these people gather together when it comes to a, a cultural or traditional one all the people join hands. And uh, they raise their voice for uh, they raise their voice, and at last they got judgment as well. But this is the peaceful protest which was uh, going for around one week. But uh, at last, uh, when they when they achieved, the government want to uh, don't uh, want to conclude the protest peacefully because they will be keep on rising for the voice of themselves uh, uh, to. In
1: order to achieve their needs. Mm. For listeners' um, oh. information, Jallikattu is a, a bull taming um, yep. uh, you know, activity that, that Tamils have uh, during yeah, the, yeah. The, the month of January or mid January, and it's usually um, a sport. Uh, that is uh, yeah. um, had by tamils uh, in, in a dream festival called pongal which is a harvest yeah, yeah. festival
2: it's not only the traditional sport it has a, uh, it has a very good uh, scientific view behind it because it's a sport where we can identify the best bulls and uh, segregate themselves uh, for the breed so that we can enhance our native bulls as well
1: mm. and how and, long uh, has this tradition been going for George, like the couple of thousand years isn
2: 't it yeah uh, it's more than thousand years, and uh, last three years uh, it was continuously blocked by the central government, so it resulted as a huge protest this year
1: mm. and this year was much more interesting because um, firstly, you had the interference yes. of the police who came in and and torched. Uh, some of the protesters vehicles I saw some of the videos they They satellite uh, uh, an auto which is a three wheel vehicle used in India, and they were breaking yeah. up motorbikes. you know, they went down the streets wherever the slums are, yeah, yeah. and they were breaking motorbikes and so on. So the other thing is that you had a lot of support from students, and the yeah. fishermen or fisher folk yeah. tell us a little bit more about that that solidarity that you know, how did the students get involved or why did they get involved and also why the fishing people got involved?
2: Fishing, even uh, the fishing people, uh, when it comes to, you know, the Tamil, like uh, when they affect on tradition, it's not uh, only because uh, the, the fishing people get involved because They have already struggling because of their needs. Mm. Uh, There was a plant uh, in Kudankulam, Mm. a nuclear power plant. Yes, it's a nuclear power plant, yes. Yeah, which is just very near by the coast. It's like 500 to 600 meters. Yes. But um, uh, if you need to build a nuclear power plant, there are certain guidelines which were never followed by the Indian government because uh, if if we need to plant a plant, only 60 kilometers away, uh, away from the public places. Mm. And uh, the first aid thing, If in case any disaster happens, uh, what are the first things the people nearby, nearby the plant needs to do? They need to give awareness about that. But not, uh, even my village is near around 600 meters from the plant. Mm. They n- not even a single day they, give, they gave any awareness about that. Right. Like, and it was like you know uh, the part of the, they targeted a specific part of a place in Tamil Nadu which has very good, you know, wealth, and uh, they want to distract the people. They they want to extract the people like uh, from their native native land. That's why uh, it. Like, when it comes to a traditional event, all the older people join together and write their voices.
1: Mm. And also, there are other issues, aren't there? The are fishing rights between Sri Lanka and all the attacks by the Sri Lankan army um, yeah. that has, you know, may, may, yeah, meant it, that fishermen couldn't go fishing. Yeah, it's also
2: a major because uh, the general government doesn't care about Tamil people. Yeah. Uh, even no, more than eight, eight 840 people, 40 fishermen were captured by Sri Lankan armies. I don't know why they are doing that because it's like first from the, from ancient times, uh, we people used to fish over the coast and, uh, it's uh, only, uh, few decades back, uh, the central government has, uh, given, signed, uh, the CISO to Sri Lanka, but it's when it comes to fishing, we cannot do anything. You know, as a fisherman, I know that. Because if we put a dropper net in the sea, mm. according to the, you know, the, according to the sea's water water uh, direction, the net will keep on moving. We cannot stop uh, once we, it's around, you know, uh, it's dependent upon the fish. It's like we need to put uh, around five, five hours or six hours in the sea when it was running inside the coast. That's not a problem of fishermen. Mm. You know, each, the government needs to understand, and they never taken any steps in order to, uh, you know, in order to do this. If uh, because uh, they are continuously, they don't, they don't even care about Tamil people because they uh, they have a sound idea that uh, the politi- they can give some money to the politician and make Tamil Nadu as a, you know calm down to. Every issues that was happening around it,
1: hmm. and they haven't had any consultations with the committee. They didn't come and talk to the Tamil people of the area to see, to at least find out how it'll affect them, did they? And they ju- just no, implemented no, no. They, the law. They
2: didn't have, yeah, they they didn't think, uh, done anything like that hmm. okay, because they... uh, uh, the you know the Tamil Nadu politica, politicians they have. Uh, they have a capacity because uh, the lost ticket peoples they were uh, have a, they have a sound mentality that we need to vote only to this uh, party we need to uh, only vote to this party. So the central government has a sound idea. If we uh, if we have a um, contact with the party leaders, we can easily move the state. Mm,
1: so it they need to talk uh, to the politicians. Even
2: though it's a law, uh, great problem. Only few people are volunteering, voluntarily involved in protest and ask, uh, they want to ask their needs, you know. Mm.
1: And tell us more about the students. Why did the students get involved? What What happened there?
2: Yeah, the students, because a uh, few of the people uh, mostly uh, mostly nowadays uh, all the students are getting educated. Mm-hmm. Like uh, uh, during the past month, the farmers uh, even uh, a uh, few of the farmers were killed due to the drought. Like uh, they, you know, they didn't pass even, even they passed a loan for uh, huge multinational companies, but they never pass a loan, even 50,000. they, they like, uh, they take one month or two months to pass the loan.
1: Mm. And
2: it's like uh, the drastic effect on the farmers as well.
1: So the, there's a lot the of farmers suicides, isn't there? A lot of yeah, people have killed themselves. Yeah,
2: the, the, uh, the farmers made their sons as educated guys, and fishermen made uh, the, their sons as educated guys. At, when it comes to, you know, uh, the traditional even, like uh, before, uh, be, uh, during the month of January, they said uh, uh, the pungal. it is a festival for Tamil people.
1: Yes, harvest uh, festival, like yeah.
2: Yeah, it's our festival uh, where uh, the people, the farmers, used to, to you know, uh, give their seeds, everything to the god. like a understanding like that. Yeah. So they even they, uh, it's like four years. Uh, there's a holiday for these uh, occasions. But uh, even the central government, the Modi's government, uh, they plan to, to uh, you know, take the uh, fungal from the remove from the holidays list as well.
1: Public holiday,
2: is, yeah. Yeah, public holidays list. So this created a big impact on it. Hmm.
1: And tell us more about the farmers um, because this was uh, specifically aimed at the, the farmers um, who are at the forefront of celebrating this festival in, in Tamil Nadu, which, is, which incidentally, for, for listeners' benefit, has a population of over 70 million people isn't it yeah yep yeah, yeah. yeah so why did they um target the 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 farmers you know this this the, the agriculture in Tamil Nadu has already been suffering because of a lack of water. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and there was also um, the other issue that's in, in this is that the water was being given to large companies like Coca Cola and Pepsi, but the farmers had no water for irrigation. Tell us a little bit more about that. Um, yes,
2: yeah, it's, it's absolutely right because uh, you know the uh, farmers are facing a drought but they, uh, daily. Uh, the Coca-Cola, the multinational companies, used to take um, a huge amount of water, which you know, uh, which the farmers can, yeah, which the form- uh, which the farmers can uh, use it for one week. Be mm. taken one day mm. as a whole farmer. This one company used to take all the water, because uh, I hope uh, the politicians is a major, co- uh, major reason for these things to happen. Because they didn't care anything about uh, uh, how the, you know, if in case, if it is in Australia, we have a regulation that uh, uh, we need to take water only if we have a license. And up to, only up to this level, we can take water out of it. Mm. And if we need to do anything, we have a, you know, guidelines, we need to approach a proper body so that only then we can move to another step. But it's not in a case in India. They just speak to the politicians. It, there is nothing, anything in law or written like that. They just take whatever they wanted, and just they, you know, they just they give something to the politicians. I think. Hmm.
1: And so, tell us a little bit more about the link between PETA, which is that um, protection for animal organization, and this whole yeah. struggle. What's the connection?
2: Yeah, the main uh, the main theme of them is to. Is to you know uh, destroy our native breeds and uh, they need they, they want to sell A1 milk. you know nowadays uh, the milk which the people of Tamil Nadu is used to drink is A2 and which doesn't have any effect like sa- side effects uh, side effects like which cannot, which de- de- didn't cause anything like cancer diabetes like that. but when we drink uh, A1 milk, it, uh, in long-term process, it will cause diabetes, cancer, something like that, because the A1 milk is produced by Jersey cows, which use, uh, which use their flesh to convert convert it into milk. Rather, our country bulls and cow, country cows use bloods to convert it into milk. They only give a little amount of it, which is very helpful. Rather, these Jersey cows used to uh, give around. Tamil he does per day, but it's not a very helpful in long term. So the Tamil and, uh, people want
1: do. sorry. So, so the the Tamil yeah. people want to keep the A1 milk and they don't want the A2 milk. Yeah, yeah.
2: We need to keep a, A2 milk. A2. Oh, A2 milk sorry, the other one way around. Which is very healthy and we do
1: have. Mm, have and it. that's by the farm. So the farmers in Tamil Nadu produce A2 milk. Yep. yeah. yeah. Mm, okay. So it's all time ty- and and the um, i believe peta is also being supported by coca-cola and pepsi is that right
2: yeah they are. you know they are like multinational links so they get they have a good understanding and that's why it's low or they they have they have everything like uh every contacts everything or who are the best persons we need to approach so that we can calm down the people you know
1: yeah so they use politicians yeah. and money to Control the situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And buy themselves advantages. Okay, George, thank you very much for being available so early in the morning. And we'll see how, you know, how it progresses because I believe the, the protesters have gone back and now the police have been, uh, I think some policemen have been charged for the, the violent behavior during the protest and so on. So I'm sure the matter won't be rest put to rest that easily because it's, it's a yeah, lot yeah. of people involved um you know yeah, yeah. 600,000 people or something have been involved in various yeah, parts of yeah, Tamil Nadu. Yeah. okay thank you so much Josh and we'll talk thank again you, and you see thank you for giving
2: the uh, opportunity to speak with you yeah, yeah. thanks yeah. thanks a lot thank you very much. welcome nice. okay we'll talk to you soon
1: again bye yeah. bye yeah thank you bye
0: Hey, listeners, you are listening to um, Green Left um, Weekly Radio on 855 AM. Um, In the studio is Jacob and um, Lali. So um, I guess um, many listeners probably have heard about the the big sort of um, upsurge against um, Donald Trump. Um, You know, reading from an um, article in Green Left Weekly, um, which is reporting on the sort of big, um, the sort of, Big opposition and response, political response to, um, Donald Trump's sort of, um, executive order. On January 27th, he signed an executive order which was ban- um, which enrolled um, banning people from seven Muslim majority countries from entering the U.S. for at least 90 days, and suspending the re- admission of all refugees from any countries for at least four months, amongst among other measures. Um, in response, um, it did not take long for thousands of people to send uh, you know a loud message in response. You know, no ban, no war, let them in. Um, there was um, mobilizations um, caught, which were hastily called at airports from New York City to San Francisco and many other cities um, in between. Um, crowds of people descended on the airports the very evening that um, Trump issued the order and they continued their protests into the night. And the next day with chants like, no hate, no fear, immigrants are welcome here, ringing out. Oh yeah, Lali, you have any comment?
1: Yeah, well, so it was interesting actually. I was... Um I'm going to go back to the, the article I was reading in Sun Herald and how, how Andrew Bolt um, presents the whole issue. He says the lefties, that is the people who are protesting in the U.S., are against democracy because, after all, Trump was elected. Therefore, we have to submit ourselves to decisions made by Donald Trump. It's really um, a nasty and a clever way of peddling a right-wing logic, as if that, you know, once you're elected, you become the dictator. You know, people have a right to express opinions. That is a consultative process. And you've got to seek agreement mm-hmm. with everybody else. But anyway, so, and, and, and Trump is not even practicing democracy. All he's doing is signing executive orders, which is a very dictatorial process, and um, doesn't seek any discussion with Democrats or any other uh, independent representatives in in the Senate, in the um, Congress. So it's it's interesting. His concept of democracy is well, he's, he supports Donald Trump, so you know he can warp. The concept of democracy, the way he does, but the the protest is interesting because it's, it's taken all sorts of people to to mobilize it. Whether it's women, men, blacks, whites, you name it, anybody who's who's a non-Trump supporter is on the street uh, all over uh, the U.S. Mm. And we've had um, some states that have said they would not implement some of the things that Trump is advocating. So there is a um, aura of incredible protest but we have to see how far it goes because there is so much energy people have and Corbyn, for example has banned or he has said he's opposed to trump visiting the uk so the trump phenomena is starting to stir the people who normally wouldn't be terribly left or radical um, into action which is really really interesting to observe and maybe it's it's something that we need to follow carefully because We need to make sure that, you know, um, people don't chop them up in any way by these false arguments like the one that Bolt puts forward. Mm. Because the the, the thing is, if people don't even get minimum wages, livable wages, um, which Trump is going to attack, then there's a reason to protest. Mm.
0: Well, um, I think... I think the on the Andrew bolt sort of um, just make a quick comment um, if there was if there was a case um where we had a left wing government democratically elected um i don't i 'm pretty sure andrew Bolt wouldn 't be saying that we should respect democracy and just let them input, let this left wing government implement whatever he wants because he would
1: but in, 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 in the way they, they present democracy, as far as I'm concerned, it's an oxymoron. Mm. There were so many uh, votes that were rigged, and there's, there's alleged, alleged, um, you know, uh, accusations that Russia interfered with, with, with the elections. So many black people who were disenfranchised. So many Latinos who were disenfranchised. Mm. And, and in, in the end, about 30% of Americans voted. That's mm. a minority. So how is a democracy? Yeah. You know, it's it's like oh we got a choice to vote or not to vote. But the the fact that people don't vote is in itself a statement that they don't trust they don't have any confidence in the system as it is today. So it makes it very difficult for anyone to believe that this is actual democracy. Is it's nonsense.
0: Yeah. And I think um the kind of re- yep. and the kind of response um you know has been quite heartening. There's but it's sort of um, the taxi um workers alliance you know called a 1 hour boycott of JFK airports on January 27th um you know in their ex- in their statement they explained that our um a sou- 10900 Member Strong Union stands firmly opposed to Donald Trump's Muslim ban. Um, You know, and they quote further, as an organisation whose membership is largely Muslim, a workforce that's almost universally immigrant, and a working class movement that is rooted in the defence of the oppressed, we say no to this um, inhumane and unconstitutional Unconstitutional ban. Um, and I guess in New York City, there was tens of thousands of people streamed downtown for another hastily organised protest of um, Trump's executive hate crimes. Um, the, you know, these protests are actually quite similar to, you know, the massive women's marches that, you know, happened um, yes. the week prior. Um, I get one of the, the most um, interesting, I guess, talking about the kind of international kind of response, um, Jeremy Corbyn has actually been sort of leading, because, mm. you know, basically the current. Acting Prime Minister, um, for SMA has, you know, has basically, you know, said nothing or basically is not condemned, um, Donald Trump, in any way, for this um, for what he's um, doing, um, whereas Jeremy Corbyn has led the kind of campaign, yep. you know, to basically uh, Britain. Well, basically, we should not let um, Donald Trump visit um, Britain, and I think it's a and it's attracting quite a lot of broad support. In yep. fact, there was actually a massive rally against Trump in Brit- um, the UK recently. And there's also other um in Australia you kind of see the sort of same sort of thing with um Malcolm Turnbull um you know, not really saying anything, you know, saying it's not my job to condemn. <laughs> You've been
1: told to shut up by <laughs> Donald Trump so And there you
0: um go. but then there's also a bit of um problems with, you know, say Bill Shorten, you know, <sighs> making a sort of more uh a statement that basically says, Oh, Australia has a great immigration platform unlike Donald Trump when, you know It's, you know, the Australian government currently supports the mandatory detention of asylum seekers, which is just as abhorrent as what um, Donald Trump is doing.
1: But, you know, the the interesting thing, I've been thinking about this quite a bit, the reverberations of the fact that the election of uh, this president in um, the U.S. has such wide-reaching, far-reaching implications, because the universities of australia is considering a statement about this because education institutions send students overseas for various reasons whether it's you know um, cooperation or placements or whatever it is and as student exchange and so on and they're considering that they can't the thinking about it and the discussions about how do we manage this ban when our students are from multicultural backgrounds. They, they have students from Somalia, from Yemen, and all those countries that, that, that were on the list that um, Trump read out. Um, they have to reconsider it because it's an extremely racist um, law. And, and the fact that people and families in, in the U.S. now cannot bring their families over. like There's, there's stories of, um, I read a woman who, who had come come first and then was going to bring her children and and the rest of the family over and now she can't because the ban is in place. So there's multiple cases uh, of such family separations and um, it'll affect lots and lots and lots, thousands of people in the U.S. It's it's not going to stop. It's a very sensitive issue and beyond that there's also economic issues, you know building the wall Uh, it's, it's, people are so so um, Deceived into believing this man is going to solve problems. That is some of the the, the two groups of people who are supporting him. Uh, one is the Christian belt. The other one is the uh, extreme South. You know, um, I think the other, that's the other one.
0: Uh, one of the other forces is the the sort of new sort of neo-Nazi kind of group that's in right. the alternative right. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. Um, and, and I think I was reading something about. The, the Liberal Party conference in New South Wales was um, interrupted by neo fascists walking in to express his support for the Liberal Party or something. And there are all sorts of things happening. And the fact that now, uh, only today, um, there's news out that the legislation to disallow all migrants to Australia from July 2013... Um, from obtaining any kind of visa. Even a to- they can't even obtain a tourist visa. Mm. So this includes uh, people who are already on Manus and any other new arrivals. So if you arrive and, and, and you, know, you, you are a refugee, whether you are officially a refugee on the UN or you just fled the country for whatever reason, you cannot enter Australia. You won't be given any kind of visa. Mm. So what's, what's, what's happened is it strengthened the right wing or extreme right-wing beliefs uh, for um, the current regime here to harden their laws.
0: Hmm. I think what's um, f- um, you know, what's kind of really disturbing about, you know, you know, Trump has actually also signed, apparently signed an executive order to start building that war on the, um, Mexico, the United States, um, United States to Mexico border. Um, though the practicalities of that, I don't think have been figured out yet.
1: Um, and who's a company who's got, um, the contract from the Trump company, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and, but, um, w- what it reflects is such a sort of normalization of, you know, you know Trump's rate of outright racism in society. And, That's right. um, there's actually been sort of like some arguments that we should, you know, people should, well, I agree completely, people should be in constant you know, opposition to air to Trump's agenda every step of the way um, because we shouldn't normalize or accept no, anything he puts forward. It's inhumane, half his, well,
1: all of his executive orders. And, and the interesting thing is, the, as I said before, the reverberation around the world is people are protesting all over the world, not just America, all over the world, people are disturbed by this, you know, economically powerful and militarily powerful nation having such a man at the helm. So it's interesting. We'll have to watch the space, but I hope, you know, he doesn't stay there for too long.
0: Hmm. Okay, so um, I don't think we have any time for this quick news so I was getting going So I might play a quick announcement.
1: But before you do that, I just want to say one one thing. It's not just him. There's a whole lot of men. My, my daughter is watching the TV and she's like, Ma, they're all... Old white men. I think mm-hmm. that's right. <laughs> mm. But anyway, it, it's just a reflection of the values. They don't—they don't value women at all, mm. even right-wing women, as much as I hate them.
0: Okay, so on the on the line we have um, Steve Disson, um, who is an organizer for um, the ETU, who um, played sort of a major role in sort of the CUB 55 dispute that happened last year. Um, so we have him here to you know to talk about you know the significance of you know the CUB 55 um, for the greater union. So good morning, Steve.
3: Good morning, how are you going?
1: Good morning, Steve. Yeah. Thank you. So I
0: guess, yeah, going to the sort of, you know, first question I guess ask is, you know, what do you, you know, reflecting, you know, on last year, what do you sort of think about, you know, the significance of the CUB 55 victory for the union movement as a whole?
3: I think it showed that in the face of a $200 billion global entity, that if you have enough solidarity, if you have community support, and if everyone gets on board, you're unstoppable. You know, against that's a lot of money, two hundred billion dollars. And if we can do it there, we can do it anywhere.
0: Um, cool. What about, um, do you sort of like have any sort of like you know thoughts on you know the the, um, the sort of the journey you know you know starting from the beginning you know as it went along?
3: Yeah, it was um, it was definitely that a journey, six months worth. But um, we saw as as more and more people became aware of it. Um, It was just a a foregone conclusion. As soon as people heard about it, they they supported it. But the the hard thing was getting that message out because these big corporate entities spend a lot of money on advertising and their mates in the big corporate media aren't exactly um, shouting from the rafters at what's going on in the corporate world. So the the big thing is getting the message of the injustice out there. If you can show the people what's happening, if you can show unionists out there, you know, the, the scale of the injustice, they'll get on board. But getting that message out there is the irony of having the internet and having everyone connected, it's actually um, hard to get that message out there through the corporate media. You've got to do it through social media, word of mouth and other activists.
1: One of the things I find, Steve, um, is that, you know, I came through the nurses' strike and I was organized in eighty six during the strike. Is that public support that you talked about, the solidarity and the ongoing support that the workers have is vitally important. But but even, even before you get to that point the fact that un- a union has actually mobilized, mobilized its membership to support um, workers who are under attack, which we rarely see, uh, because unions have been attacked so much by the government and, and the laws over the last, what, two decades, that, you know, unions are not very forthcoming in, in doing this sort of mobilization. So it seems like your, this dispute has certainly awakened some ideas of how unions can do differently. What do you think?
3: Yeah, well, we, we've got to thank our, our network of shop stewards for that, to be honest. We've got hundreds of shop stewards across hundreds of workplaces in Victoria, and um, it's them, they are gold. We we put a lot of emphasis in our shop stewards and training them and getting them together. So if you can get that message out for your shop stewards, you've you've reached thousands of people, you know. Mm. Without them, I. I don't think he can do it, and that's what I think is a big issue with a lot of unions. They don't have that shop steward network. They pro- focus too much on politics rather than, you know, from the ground up, building up their the strength in the workplace. Mm.
1: Is that the culture of the ETU? You train delegates, you know, all the time, and you empower your membership?
3: Yes, definitely. Yeah, our shop stewards are our lifeblood.
1: Hmm. And and in terms of membership support, a lot of them also um, docked some money to support the workers on a day-to-day basis, didn't they?
3: Yes, from week six of the dispute, we um, had all of our shop stewards around all of our workplaces um, putting on a $20 a week per, per, le- to, per member levy,
2: hmm. and
3: um, that went across the whole state. There was workplaces every corner of the state and, and we led processions we had guys from CUB picket line uh, every week we were going out to different sites as well so that the, our members could see these people and hear the story straight from them and realise that you know they were no different to these blokes and today it was us but tomorrow it could have easily been them.
1: Hmm. And is ETU the one involved in any other dispute? Because I know the the fast food workers union is, um, you know, trying to put out fires everywhere in terms of, um, you know, like for example, the the way they cut the wages for the ETU workers at CUB. AGL is doing a similar thing. Have you have you been able to um, support that struggle?
3: Well, to be honest, uh, we're heading up to the Parmalat lockout today okay. um, in in So. The CUB guys are heading up with the, um, our, our sh- one of our shop stewards. The boys have passed the hat around at CUB, and they've come up quite a sizable donation for the Palmite workers. And uh, we'll be heading up there today and taking Scabby the Rat with us, and mm. um, you know, having a bit of a yarn with the guys up there and instilling in them a bit of the fighting spirit that got us across the line at CUB. Mm.
1: So, have you found that among the trade unions these days? After this dispute and after the way employers are acting, where you know, because the politics has become shifting, it's shifting rapidly to the right more and more. Do you think there's a a bit of awakening among trade unions about how the workers are being treated generally by the politicians?
3: Um, I think the politicians are still completely deaf to it, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, I, I think there's very few people in Canberra that actually care about what happens to working people because they're so far removed from it with their obscene wages, entitlements, and pensions. Um, I, I don't think that we have a, you know, a crop of politicians. There's very few of them that I think have, have even done a hard day's work and, and know what we're talking about. You know, I, I just think the political class has just moved so much from everyday people that, that they just don't understand it, mate. Mm. It's
1: mm. a yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a shame, isn't it? I mean, uh, yeah, it's another long discussion we can have, but we leave it for another day. But one of the other things I also observed during our strike in 86 was that members joined up very quickly. Hand-off. Those who were not members very quickly came and joined up to support the strike. Did you find that phenomenon in your um, union?
3: Yeah, we found a lot of people joining up once they saw you know, what we were capable of. And if they had, if they were unsure of unions, never heard anything, this sort of brought a bit of a spotlight to it. Um, we even had, yeah, guys ring up from another brewery um, and straight away, you know, we want some of that. So it was um, it was really good and it showed everyone, you know, just time after time, the only time you ever see unions in any sort of media is just bashing unions or something, mm. you know, and usually it's just a beat up. But this was fantastic. It showed, you know, a... a um, A company that was out to do what it was trying to do, and that we weren't going to take it. So it showed that if you do stand up in the face of you know multinational, multi-billion-dollar companies, you can win.
1: That's right. That's right. Also, the fact that a trade union actually was out there. Supporting its workers for such a long time and it, it, it was in there for the long haul, provided them finances to support, support the families and also having built all the solidarity was, was amazingly organized, very well done, um, in terms of how it was brought forward and, and the support and everything. It is, it was very impressive. I have to say congratulations to the leadership of the, of the union and I hope you guys, you know, keep growing and get stronger and uh, remain uh, as, a, as such a positive example to the rest of the union movement and inspire more people to join the union.
3: Yeah, well, it's not hard. We've got a great leadership team. We've got great shop stewards. And I encourage anyone listening out there, if you've got friends or family of electricians, get them on board, get them involved. We're, you know, we're always here with arms wide open. It's not an exclusive club. We, uh, we want to make our industry stronger in the future. What yes, kind
1: of yes, and there's more attacks coming down the road by, by the looks of it. Without a doubt. <laughs> With Trump elected and all the right is getting very strong. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Steve. Yep. You're for welcome. sharing your views. Okay. Good Bye. have a good day. Bye.
0: Yeah, you too. Bye. Okay. Alright, so you're listening, um, to Green Left Weekly. So just making sure I turn the phone off. Alright, so you're listening, um, to Green Left Um Weekly Radio. Um, we have sort of five minutes left until not till the end of the program actually, but till we um, go to our our regularly scheduled um, activist calendar. Um, So one thing I would like to um, talk about is an article um, written by um, Pip Henman um, in the latest, um, issue of Green Left Weekly. And it, um, concerns, um, the formation of a new tenancy, um, within, um, the Greens. Mostly out of, um, New South Wales. Um, they're known, um, that are known as Left Renewal. Um, they have actually, they popped up, um, several week, um, around several weeks ago, I think, or almost a month ago. Um, basically, they are a anti-capitalist formation in the Greens, um, that, are uh, kind of organizing, you know, to push the Greens to adopt an uh, anti capitalist framework in um their on po- um, political platform. And so um the they they hosted a public meeting uh in Sydney last week which, you know, attracted um over a hundred people. Um that was the aim of it was to, you know, um, he, um, to talk about their aims and their objectives. You know, free um l- Left New representatives spoke about why they had helped form the Socialist Tennessee announced last December, and um, this was followed by questions and um, comments from the floor. But I guess um, the response has um, from the rest of the Greens leadership. Um, they have actually come under fire from former Greens leaders um, Bob Brown and Christine Mil, and current Christine, lead- Christine Mill. and the current leader Rich De Natale. Um, the argument has been that you know. The um, Greens are not anti-capitalist, and you know the politics uh, of the Left Renew are inimical to the Greens. But of course, um, Left Renew, in response, describes itself as a socialist tendency con- comprised of rank-and-file members. Um, its positions um, are would they would argue their positions are closer to the New South Wales Greens of the early 1990s, which formed around the four principles of the German Greens. Um, ecological sustainability, grassroots democracy, social justice and equality and, no, um, non Um, left renewals, Chris, um, spokesperson Chris Andrews said these, f- those four pillars are fundamentally counterposed to capitalism and he outlined the multi-tenancy, um, history of the early Greens. He also called for a united fronts against the undeclared right wing of the Greens Party, saying they are organising so too must the left. In um, another comment, um, another Dylan Griffins asked why when the socialism popularised by US Democratic um, Bernie Sanders and British Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn had engaged so many people, especially young people, um, he criticised the Greens for wanting to shift to an ideology free centre. And in sort of response, he said that, um, he said that left renewal would abide by the party's democratic structures and rules governing Raya Circumvogel. Another sort of, you know, um representative of left renewal said the greens were at the point where it needed to make a decision about whether the party was primarily about getting more parliamentary seats or wanted to build the movements for long lasting change you know and it is necessary for a greens project which is principled and engages in social movements parliamentary success is a means not end the left renewal charter said um even and another thing um no, just another thing to note um in this article um is that um, New South Wales Senator Green's um, Senator Lee Rhiannon and New South Wales MLC Miran Farouk and David Stonebridge have actually publicly defended the existence of um, left renewal, um, and despite the fact they are not members as such.
1: And, of course, Bob Brown has hammered Lee Rhiannon. Apparently there's a historical animosity between the two, that is Lee Rhiannon and Bob Brown. And... um, he actually you know, called for her to, to allow other people to take her place. Um, it just seems totally out of place for mm. him to actually state that. It's up to the people who, who elect. It's, they have internal democracy, uh, according to them. And if people want to select her or elect her to, to represent them in the Senate, well, so be it. He's got to, you know, uh, submit himself to that, internal party, the democratic process. and it seems, ironic or, or rather contradictory for him to, you know, just pop in and say a few words um, that's antagonistic towards um, Illyrian and, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's insulting. He told you yeah. you're too old to be a senator.
0: And um, there's been, interesting enough, there was also a statement um, on the question of left renewal by the National Council of the Greens, which um, had formulated a statement and um, it was basically sort of arguing that, you know, um, the, um, having factions in the Greens is against, um, democratic functioning of the Greens, something or so. So basically saying that, you know, left, um, we shouldn't, the Greens as a party shouldn't have, shouldn't allow factions in the party, which, I, you know. Is it one
1: of the rules, do we you know?
0: I have not, no, no idea. I'm not yeah. a member of the Greens, but of course my perspective as an outside observer who's not a member of the Greens, I think, you know, left renewal, um, you know, there's been some criticisms of them. But you know they have a right to exist and a right to yeah. organise, and that has and been what democracy means. And that has been the principled kind of position of Lee Riannon and, um, and other non-members of. The tendency, um, but members of the Greens who have defended its, um, its right to express its um, viewpoints.
1: Yeah, it's, it's almost utopia what um, Richard and you Natalia, know, or, or this, the, the current leadership of the, the Greens, are talking about because there's no such thing as homogenous party. Every political party across the world has some sort of faction in them. You know, regardless of which country you go to, there's always you know some people who are a bit to the right and some people a bit to the left or center left whatever they want to label it you just don't have such thing as a homogeneous political party or any grouping really cannot be homogenous we're not clones we're mm. human beings and we all think differently and there will be differences and they need to be able to allow that, and that is what we call democracy. So you can express your views and have it discussed in the open in the party so they can, you know, discuss it and come to some sort of conclusion. Yeah. So anyway. So, yeah, stay
0: tuned for this space um, because we potentially, in a future program, might have an interview with someone from Left Renewal to talk no, into more detail about um, the formation of the tendency within the Greens. Um Now we're moving on to the activist calendar. Um, the first off um, announcement um, is there's going to be, we had a bit of a discussion about Donald Trump actually. Um, there is actually going to be a rally against Donald Trump um, tonight at 5.30pm at the Melbourne State Library. Um, it is being organised by I think the Australia Says No to Trump formation um, that is sort of like an activist sort of group that is sort of formed around this um, campaign. Um, it's, the rally should be promised to be quite um might be bigger than what we expect because we've um there are actually some big names speaking at the rally like richard D natale so we'll stay tuned um <laughs> so you de- it definitely would be um worth attending especially um in light of you know donald trump's executive orders and you know to express solidarity with you know the people in the united states um the next event uh from starting from Sun Saturday, going all the way to the end of February. Um, there'll be the Sustainable Living Festival. Um, you just search Sustainable Living Festival in Google and you should be able to find a link to its website um, there's going to be like over 300 different events celebrating sustainability um, with talks, workshops, film, art and design events. So, yeah, can't talk about all of them. Just look on the website to find out.
1: Okay, just to give you a break, I'm going to make a couple of announcements. Uh, there's the Yarraville Festival, which is um, coming up very quickly. It's um, starting on uh, Sunday, the 12th of February, and it goes for a few days. Uh, showcasing art, music, um, goods, and lots of um, things for kids to enjoy as well. So it's a community um, festival. I think it's on every year. The Yarraville Traders Association are supporting it as well. But I think it will be a lot of... um, activities for kids, called Kids kingdom, rides, whatever. Anyway, so the event's been going on since 81. So the, for those um, who want a bit of entertainment for the family, that'll be something you want to go to starting on the 12th of February. Now, the other one is um, campaign against racism and fascism have got a... Um, is this the one you announced? Uh, take a stand against racism in the far right. It's different from the Trump rally, isn't yep. it? Yeah, this is on the 10th of February at 6 p.m. Um, the venue is yet to be announced, but there will be um, a, you know, more details available later on. But keep the 10th um, of Feb at 6 p.m. free. It's a Friday. And uh, it's it's actually a, a march or rally against uh, Corey Bernardi and George Christensen and basically the far right. Um, so I guess that includes Andrew Bolt as well. Yeah.
0: I guess, um, so some more announcements. Um, this Saturday, um, there'll be a fundraiser for Asylum Seeker Resources Centre at the Town Hall at 14 Wilson Street in Brighton. I don't actually have a time here, but it's called Refugee Benefit. Mayo Lanz- Lanza sings again. Um, on the following, this Monday, there will be a public forum, um, to commemorate the fifth, um, anniversary of the last execution in Australia. Um, the hanging of Ronald Ryan on February 13th. Um, Speakers will consider papal punishment, review the history of the death penalty and discuss the legislation introduced in December 2016. That will be at at 6pm on a Monday at the State Library of Victoria um, on Swanson Street. Um, On Tuesday, there'll be a public meeting on... You want to give him a date? Oh, yeah, Monday the 16th, 6th of February for that okay. Um So on Tuesday, February the 7th, 7th? Yeah. Um, there'll be a public meeting on the Centrelink debt attack behind the Liberals' war on the poor. Um, this will um, have speakers from Social Alliance, Australian Unemployed Workers' Union, and, um, and it will fe- have Graham Wells, who's a lawyer for the Social Security rights in Victoria. Um, that will be at the Resistance Centre, Level 5, 407 Swanson Street, opposite, um, and it's presented by Green Left Weekly. Um, yeah, it starts at 6.30 and there'll be a meal from 6pm. Um, from when um, on Wednesday, uh, February 18th, 8th, there will be um, a defend in, um, and extend public housing rally um, at 12 noon. It will be um, because of, in response to, you know, the criminalisation of homelessness um, laws and so on, it won't be taking place at the Parliament House this time. It will be at the Melbourne Town Hall at 12pm. Um, There's a
1: Beyond Zero Emission discussion group as well. Mm. It's the CAPE, Victoria's first climate-adapted greenfields housing uh, project. How do we build carbon-neutral housing? It's a discussion. Um, The community will have 220 homes that, uh, when completed, had already uh, and already features some of the best examples of common sense, integrated, sustainable sustainability in Australia, is on the 6th of February at 6.30 p.m. at the McCoy Building, Fritzlow Theatre, University of Melbourne, corner of Elgin and Swanson Street. That's the 4th of February.
0: And, um, Nick, um, the last sort of few announcements I'll make, um, will be, there's actually another in, um, there's a rally happening on Thursday. Um, by, organised by refugees. This Thursday, coming yep, Thursday, this, this coming Thursday. Um, com, um organised by Refugee Action Collective. It will be Don't Silence Refugees, Oppose the Mobile Phone Ban. Um, because there's been, uh, attempt by the government to ban, sur- um, um, to silence refugees by banning mobile phones from detention centres, cutting off refugees from the outside world. Um, so that will be at 4.30 to 6.30pm at the Department of Immigration and Citizenship, um, at 2 Lonsdale Street. Um, and um, that will be, yep, 4.30 to 6.30 on Thursday at the Department of Immigration Citizenship.
1: Okay. I've got a couple of um, regular groups that meet that people may be interested in. One is the Australia for Kurdistan monthly meeting. It meets regularly to build solidarity with the Kurdish um, freedom struggle in Rojava, and that uh, is taking place also on the 4th of Feb. Th- yeah, on the 4th of Feb. And um, those who are interested can ring Goulet on 0413-936-706 or Aaron on 410 The other one is the Clambert Action Moorland, which is a, obviously an environmental group that meets in Moorland. It meets regularly. And those who are interested, ring Andrea on 424 508-535. And another couple of um, groups that meet, which is the Australian West Papua Association, um, the struggles against the Indonesian occupation of West Papua, and um, the destruction or, and resource theft that's going on. And for those who are interested, the number to ring is and please support this because especially because it's so close to Australia and, um, we also always, uh, aware of the experience we've had with East Timo in the past. And this particular community um, is maintaining office in uh, Docklands, and they need members. Um, it's like $1 a day. So for those who are interested, you can join the group and support the office for $1 a day. Uh, the foreign minister actually uh, of West Papua is actually... Um, Located there, and um, they have regular events at that, at that uh, particular location. Once again, the number is 95102193. Mm. And Friends of the Earth, um, the Anti Nuclear and Clean Energy Collective also meets every second Tuesday at Friends of the Earth at 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. And the last one. Um, no there's one that's the last one
0: Great. Um, just one the last now, so before we move on to some news is um on Saturday, February eighteenth um there'll be an important rally against um organized by Refugee action collective um rally no to Trump, no to Turnbull, let the refugees in um it's against this um no against the um the Muslim ban. Closing the cans, bring them here, and um, so that'll be happening at 2 p.m. at the State Library. What um, date is that? February, um, February 18th, on a Saturday. So
1: there's one on the 10th. It gets extreme right in another one. So there actually probably
0: will be uh, a lot of Lots. rallies today, um, this <laughs> month. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's going to be a good, it's be a good um, month of activism. Activism, that's All right. right. All right. right. So we're going to talk about some more news from um, the latest Green Left Weekly. Um, in this article um, by Tony Iltis, um, we'll get, he talks in um, great detail about, you know, this, um, what we talked about actually last week. Um, and promoted, um, is the Centrelink debt debacle, which, you know, basically involves, you know, um, many as, um, thousands of people being sent false, um, notices by Centrelink. 90%. Yes, And, um, Originally actually the statistics said it was twenty percent, but further analysis is saying that, you know, it's likely that at least ninety percent of these debt notices are wrong. Um the and Tony here writes, um the federal coalition government has unleashed robots to illegally extort forty four point five billion from poor people. The money for politicians, perks, tax dodging by the rich and corporate handouts such as the one billion dollars given to coal giant and Dania has to come from somewhere. Um oh so far uh, I guess in when this article was written, but the numbers probably increase. Over t- 2 tw- um, 2300 thousand people have been sent threatening um, computer-generated letters from Centrelink demanding amounts that range from less than to $100, to tens of thousands um, of dollars. The money was allegedly owed settling because of overpayment of unemployment. benefits. However, the, you know, in, as, as we um, said before, Canberra Times estimated that up to 90% of the debts were erroneous. Um, not, not all these letters were sent to the correct uh, address. Some victims only became aware they were being targeted when they found themselves being harassed by private debt collectors. Um, the term robo deps has been coined to describe the phenomena. This is because the direct cause was the automation of the process of finding over and recovering um, them following which is was, you know, followed by the sacking of five thousand centrelink workers. So basically they sacked five thousand centrelink workers <coughs> and they replaced whatever they were get supposed to do with a robot um, that uh um, once such a debt has been um, identified, the process of sending out letters, adding a 10% recovery charge, if the victim does not respond within 21 days, then handing over to private debt collectors is, is fully automated. Since the automation, the number of alleged um, overpayments has skyrocketed from yep, 20,000 a year in 2015 to 20,000 a week. Um, and you know, you have to think about. Uh, you know, the sort of trauma this is causing to people. It's scary, intimidating. Um, and one of our, one of our, um, one of the hosts on this program had actually been inflicted with, uh, overpaid, uh, with a, with a note, a debt notice. And he, I think he, pretty sure he had successfully challenged it. Um, but he actually talked about, it, I think, last week or two weeks ago on this program. Um, and I guess, you know, what, what has been, even more abhorrent is actually the response from the government ministers, which has shown a complete, you know, lack of empathy, um, you know, and this lack of, you know, critical thought, you know, put towards this system. You know, some have been, you know, claimed that the system is working well. um, You know, it's working just as, you know, intended. And, but, you know, they basically, and, you know, these same federal ministers have said nothing, you know, about the overpay of, you know, um you know, to, to federal ministers. And they're, they're but the funny
1: thing is when, when people like um, ministers commit what we see as uh, a possibly a crime, like Susan Leigh and, and so on, you know, buying stuff and, and the, the, the chopper gate thing with, um, what's her name? Um, I think it's Susan... Bishop.
0: Uh, I think it was, her name was Susan Lau. This is, um
1: yeah, that's that's a health minister. But they they don't get charged criminally; they just get taken off their positions. Hmm. Whereas union leaders and everyday people, when something like this happens, they're charged criminally. Hmm. It's it's like one law for the the politicians and one law for the people. You know, hmm. it's just a, who's supposed to, who put you in position. It's, it's a big discussion, but it just. Mm. And um, yeah, glaring. the former,
0: the, as it, it's written here in this article, that, you know, pointing out this hypocrisy, that, you know, the former health minister, Susan Lair, you know, she vauded over 30,000, um, 3,000 public um, money. Um, $3,000, you know, which is like three months of income on Newstart. That's right. Um, you know, to make a shit, and, you know, it was to make a trip to the Gold Coast to buy a luxury apartment. Chic. And, of course, um, there's evidence, um, most important information here is, you know, there's evidence from whistleblowers, you know, it confirms that the, um, robot debts are not accidental. Um, the government is actually correct to claim the system is working well. Um, and, of course, you know, you know, Um, one of them can say I can verify that while there are issues none of them have occurred through technical faults the system works 100% to certification you know the whole debacle is stemming from bad policy you know and it's not Due to, you know, not our online compliance system, a blower told the Communion Public Sector Union, which covers Centrelink workers. Um, and, of course, another whistleblower wrote to get up confirming allegations that Centrelink staff were being instructed not to correct erroneous overpayments.
1: I know, that's appalling. criminal. To do that?
0: Um, And and, um, the article concludes that, you know, these attacks on welfare recipients are also attacks on workers. Increasing casualisation forces many workers to rely on Centrelink for at least some of the year. Furthermore, the attacks add to the many measures already in place to make life hell for the underemployed.
1: Add to that the cuts to pensions, you know. The age pension um, legislated in 2015 has begun, and the main change is to the assets test um, taper rate. So they've increased the um, upper limit, or they've decreased the upper limit, um, so that more people will get less pension. And I know already, just within the small group of people I know, um, there are two people who've received letters, and one of them has lost two hundred dollars a week, which is a lot of money for pensioners who are trying to manage on, on a narrow budget. And the, the sad thing is, you know the uh, Pension cuts represented an attack on the welfare state and were critical of the Greens for supporting them, which is really sad to see the Greens supporting such a thing. Well, the Greens have been critical of the Centrelink robo-debacle. Their support for the age pension cuts has left them unable to present the look at the bigger picture about how the government is actually attacking the people who are the most vulnerable in society, the pensioners, and the young people who, leave, who receive Centrelink payment, and in, the, 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 in between the people who are jobless, and we've got another you know, two, three thousand people going to go on Centrelink payments, um, who are going to be unemployed after the closure of Toyota. So it is—it's absolute shame that this government has absolute, its such contempt. For poor, pe- poor, for poor people. And it's, you know, they want to make them feel guilty for receiving Centrelink payment. In the end, mm-hmm. we pay taxes precisely for that reason. Not to go off and buy jets for $10 million or $10 billion of armament, mm-hmm. but we want the poor to be supported. So we have a healthy society. Hmm. So anyway, yeah. let um, go up soon. going
0: back to just quickly on the Centrelink debt debacle. There's actually been uh, you know political response to it from you know the grassroots. Um, there was a rally organised um, this Tuesday by the Unemployed um, Australian Unemployed Workers Union um, that attracted over 200 people with yep. you know a range of different endorsements. Um, I was there at the rally. There were unions present, such as the ETU, um, you know the C. PSU, you know, here, uh, and um, there was also support from other, you know, community organisations such as Fair Go for Pensioners. Um, there were a range of different speakers on the platform, um, and it looks like this will actually be a sustained kind of campaign. There are plans to take this campaign even further and to make it kind of an ongoing thing with um, more organising meetings planned hmm. and more actions um, planned. And, and, and keep
1: listening to our announcement because that's where we'll announce when, when these meetings occur.
0: Yeah. Um, and the guests and Another thing is, um, in the latest Green Left Weekly, if you listeners have been one of those unfortunate people that have been hit with a debt notice, um, there is actually an article written by one of our hosts on the program, Zane Alcorn, called 10 Ways to Fight, Um Centrelink Debt, or, and it's in the latest Green Left Weekly, you can read it online at greenleft.org.au. Or
1: subscribe. Now let's, uh, wrap up by thanking George, Um Ashikin who is from actually from India and is um, from Tamil Nadu when there's an attack on the Tamil people by the central government of India. Yep. And let's thank um, mm-hmm. Steve Ditson from the ETU who gave us a uh, analysis on the strike and the impact of it in the long run. Yep.
0: And um, thank you listeners and also right. future listeners who will listen to the <laughs> podcast um, of this, hopefully.
1: Yeah, it will be available on the web and the podcast anyway. And
0: there will also post. be the rec- a recording of this show as it is. Okay. All right, so I'm just going to quickly play the outro. All right, goodbye, everyone.
1: Bye.